Hi, folks. <laughs> Great to see you today. How's everyone doing? Wasn't that wonderful? Um, great. We are continuing a series that we started. Perhaps you can pop my first slide up for me. Thank you. Yep. Uh, called More. We talked most of last month under the theme More, More of God. Throughout October, Paul and Joe have been encouraging us to think about how it is that we step into more of God, experience more of his presence, experience more of his love, more of his power in our lives. It's not that everything of God isn't already completely available to us. That was a double negative. I hope you got it. But it is. Everything of God is completely available to us. Nothing of God is held back. But the truth is we don't always step into God fully in a way that we've been invited to by him. The Bible, as Paul said recently, is full of invitations to step into more of God. And also, as Paul said um, throughout this series, he said, you know, one of the things he said to us once was, don't cry out for more, but step in to more. And if you didn't catch up with the talks um, back in October... I'd really encourage you to check them out on our website. There's some good stuff there. Here at Winchester Vineyard, we are people who are on a journey of discovery, more, discovering more about Jesus, getting to know him better, and sharing his hope and life in the communities around us. Many of you, many of us, have made a decision at some point in our lives to follow Jesus for ourselves. Some of us here today maybe have not made that decision yet, and that's absolutely fine. You're checking Jesus out, maybe, thinking about what it is to follow Jesus. And if that's the case, I just want to say thank you for coming and that you're incredibly welcome here. And I hope this talk um, helps, is helpful for you on your journey uh, of faith. And if you have any questions, I would love to chat afterwards. be more than, more than glad to just have a chat about that. So last week, we took a break from that series because two of our folks were baptised. And they shared with us um, last Sunday how they'd come to a decision for themselves to actively follow Jesus and to live their lives according to the values and the principles that he teaches. And it was just great to hear how Adi and also Emily chose to follow Jesus and how their lives have changed as a result of that choice. And we baptized them in water here to show symbolically what God has done in their lives. And as they came out of the water, we prayed very specifically for God's Holy Spirit to fill them there and then. It wouldn't have been the first time that they'd have had that prayer said over them or prayed that prayer, but it was a really significant time. And we prayed as they came out of the water that God would fill them and go on filling them to empower them to live the life that they decided to pursue. And for many of us, we decide to follow Jesus and we decide to try and live his way. And it's a, perhaps it's a head decision initially. And the truth is we don't always fully access his power that's available to us to help us live our lives well. A decision to follow Jesus is a really good starting point, but it doesn't end there. Jesus promised to send his Holy Spirit to live in us. And it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we call it the presence of God that helps us to experience his love and his power. And that nearness, that closeness for ourselves. And it's also that presence, that closeness that flows out of us and into others. And it's cultivating God's presence in us that helps keep us close to him. 
Imagine, for example, if a long time ago I made a decision to marry Jo, which I did, based on her incredible good looks, which I did, and her wonderful personality, which I also did. Imagine if how I'd spent some time observing her life and examining how it is that she was and how she interacted with others and weighed up the odds and looked at her values and her aims and her goals and decided, yes, this really is a good decision. This is somebody who I should live my life with. All that's true, actually. I did do that. But but imagine taking it on if I never then actually spent much quality time in her presence. Imagine if having made that decision, I never spent much time just being with her, just being near, just cultivating friendship and closeness and intimacy. Because relationships where people don't spend much time in each other's presence often don't go very deep or don't last very long. And it's the same with Jesus. And so today I want us to look at how it is that we can cultivate more of God's Holy Spirit, more of his presence in our lives. And towards the end of this talk, I want to just explore a couple of practices that might really help us to do that practically. But first, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a wonderful man called Gordon Fee. He's a Bible teacher, and he defined the Holy Spirit as this. He said, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. And that's a great definition, because there's three things about the Holy Spirit. Well, he is God ready to be worshipped. He's there to be worshipped. He is the power of God. That's how God empowers us to do the things he does. And he's the presence of God. That is how come that God is close to us, how God comes near to us. And the Holy Spirit is how God is located on the earth and how he's experienced by us. And he's working everywhere, all around us in towns and cities and communities and businesses and families, and schools, and in our lives, in the lives of individuals. And I'm going to quote for you quite a few different verses from the Bible today. And one of them is in 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 16, sorry, chapter 6, verse 16, where Paul, and he's actually summarizing and quoting the Old Testament, a part of Leviticus, where Paul says, God says, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. You see, from the start of the Bible, right, from, right back from the start, God wants to be close. He wants to be close to his people. He wants to be present in their lives. The evidence is there throughout the Bible. You go right back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, and it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He was there before creation. And then if you look in the, in the next part of Genesis, the Spirit of God was present in the Garden of Eden. You know, Adam and Eve enjoyed an incredible, unmediated closeness to God in the Garden of Eden. It says, it says that he walked in the cool of the day. There was just an incredible sense of that closeness. Although, as we know the story, sin changed that. And that's a point worth noting, actually, that our sin will create a distance between us and God and between it'll it'll affect God's presence with us the Bible says that God wasn't just present in the garden he was present on the mountaintop you know there's a story about Moses leading God's people through and how 
he had to climb up to the top of this mountain in order to pursue God's presence on behalf of the people so that he could receive instructions for the next part of the journey. Only Moses was allowed up. And it says that when he came down again, his skin was glowing and he had to wear a veil over his face because, I don't know, they were, I don't know, it was perhaps blinding them or something. Crucially, Moses understood how important the tangible presence of God with his people was. God gave them instructions and Moses said back to God, do you know what, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, this is in Exodus 33, verse 15, Moses says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us anywhere further from here. Because how will anyone know that you are pleased with us and with me and with your people unless you go with us? And he crucially asked this question, what else will distinguish us and your people from all of the other people on earth. And Moses knew that the presence of God was a distinguishing feature, a distinguishing mark for God's people. I don't know if you've ever stood in a crowd of people and just watched them and tried to identify and spot if any of them are Christians. Have you ever tried that? Some people might say that they're the ones wearing socks and sandals, but I think that's a bit old-fashioned. I heard somebody say once that maybe, maybe they're the ones wearing a T-shirt that says, he is the propitiation for our sins. Ask me. <laughs> maybe they're the ones wearing a big suit and carrying a big Bible. I don't know. But really, in reality, it's the presence of God in a person and in their life and on a person that becomes the distinguishing mark of God's Holy Spirit. You know, as you chat to someone and you get to know them, And you realize there's something about this person, the way they talk, the way they act, the way they speak, the way they treat others. And you start to say, hang on a minute, there's something different about this person. It's the presence of God, the presence of God in their lives. I um, went to a gig last year with my son who's into music, and um, we went to listen to an American band actually called 21 Pilots. And... um, I didn't know much about this band before I went to the gig. Uh, And when I got there, I observed about 2,000 teenagers jumping up and down and shouting at the tops of their voices and having a great time. And as I listened to the lyrics of this band, I thought, I I just, I said to Zach, you know what? There's something about these guys and their lyrics because they're kind of different from most of the lyrics that I hear of the bands that you listen to, (laughs) you know? Um, and I just, I just, I had this kind of thought process going on, which is these lyrics are more thoughtful and more positive and more thought-provoking and more upbuilding than most of the bands that I hear and some of their lyrics, which are generally destructive or celebrating sex or drugs or excess. Or... So I did a bit of digging on the internet and did a bit of research and established that these guys had a faith background. I mean, it wasn't, they weren't selling themselves as a Christian band in any way, but for me... I could hear the presence of God in the things that they were singing and the way that they were just carrying themselves in interviews and things like that. So God, God was present up a mountain, and the presence of God is a distinguishing feature of God's people. And God instructed Moses. He said, look, what I want you to do is I don't want to just be present up on a mountain. I want to be present in the midst of my people. And so he says to Moses, will you make a tent, which we call the tabernacle? And he says, I want you to make a tent where I will come and dwell among my people. Those of you who love to go to summer Christian camps know that God is into camping, okay? It's evidenced here in the Bible. Moses established this tabernacle, 
And wherever God went, and go, sorry, wherever God's people went, God went. And the ten went to, and God's presence dwelt in the tabernacle. Not up a mountain, but right amidst his people. And this can, continued for quite a long time, until much later David had become Israel's leader. And he was described, David, by the way, was described as a man after God's own heart. Which is a lovely description in itself of the closeness and the intimacy that he shared with God. And in 1 Chronicles 17, you read that David has this dialogue with God about, he says, you know what, it's great that you've got a tent, God, but, but really, you need a house. You need a house. Can we build a house for you? A permanent home for your presence to dwell? And God actually says, yes, well, it's, in, in the end, it wasn't David, but his son Solomon who built the temple in Jerusalem. And Solomon built this incredible house for God. Parts of it, small parts of it, are still there in Jerusalem. And on its dedication, Solomon prayed, will God, he asked the question, Solomon, will God really dwell on the earth with the humans? See, the heavens, even the highest heavens, Solomon says, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I've built? How are you, the incredible, enormous, expansive God, going to live in this, you know, relatively small Temple, But after he'd finished praying to dedicate the temple, we read that God's presence filled the place. 2 Chronicles 7, it says, when Solomon finished praying, I've got a picture for this. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because God's glory filled it. And you see God's presence dwelt in the temple in such a powerful way that no one could go in. No one could get in there. There was just, there was so much of God squeezed in there. Nobody else could get in. Later on, just one priest a year was allowed in to minister to God. And you know, they had to tie a rope around his ankle so that if, uh, if he was overcome by the presence of God, they could pull him out again. Sounds painful, doesn't it? Anyway, the temple stood until the Israelites were overtaken by Babylon and unfortunately it was destroyed and later on King Herod built a second temple. He never quite matched up to the glory of the first. But in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, we see the presence of God. This is a story of God dwelling with his people in a garden, on a mountain, in a tent, and in a temple or a house. And then we get to the New Testament and we see God's presence dwelling Not in any of those things, but now in a person, the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was present in Jesus. John chapter 1 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love the message translation of that. It says, the word word became flesh and blood. No, that's not right. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. I love that translation. Now... God's presence is located in one human body, in space and time on the earth. And Jesus goes about his ministry. And wherever he went, people experienced the presence of God for themselves. He drove out evil. He healed the sick. Acts 10 summarizes Jesus, to Acts 10, 38, summarizes Jesus' ministry. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. It was the Holy Spirit present in the body of Jesus, who enabled Jesus to do the works of the kingdom. And guess what? It's the same today. It's still true, because we, the church, are the body of Jesus. And the end of this story is that Jesus wasn't the only human who could possess 
within him the presence of God, but actually all of us, all of us who are Jesus' followers. And at Pentecost, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. They experienced the presence of God for themselves. They were, it says in Acts 2 that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This act of being filled with the Holy Spirit led Jesus' disciples to speaking and acting with incredible boldness as they went out to share his message. Stephen proclaimed in Acts 7.48, the Most High doesn't live in houses made by human hands. You know, you thought God just lived in a big temple. Actually, he's present in his people. In the words of Disney in The Lion King, he lives in you, he lives in me. We are now the garden and the mountaintop and the tent and the temple and the body of Jesus. All those things, that's where, that's us, that's where the presence of God now dwells. We are the body of Christ. And when Christians gather together like we are doing this morning to worship God in community, to work together, God's presence is tangible in our midst. We can feel it sometimes. And that's true when we're together. And it's also true with us as individuals. When Jean goes to the WI tomorrow, or when you go to work tomorrow, or to school tomorrow, or to college, or wherever it is that you go, most of your week, God's presence is tangible. And he's in you. And from you, he's flowing out to other people. Paul develops this idea through his letters. He says, it's up there, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you and whom you have received from God. Now, that's the truth of the Bible. Why don't we just right now take a minute to thank God for that truth? I would love you just to close your eyes, and I would love you just to lay a hand gently on your chest or some part of your body. And I would just like you to close your eyes, and I would like you to just think about, feel the flesh and the bone that is you, And just know and echo that this, this is the temple of God. And where God used to live in a house built by Solomon, he now lives in the thing which is under your hand. He lives in you. And why don't you just take a moment under your breath just to thank him and to welcome his presence because he's here. Thank you, Lord, that you live in me. Your presence, your tangible presence is here in me. Thank you, Lord. This isn't some pious thought or high fluting idea. This is tangible reality that God's presence lives in me. Why don't you, you may not know them, but why don't you just thank God for the people either side of you. You don't have to talk to them if you don't know them, that's fine. But just thank God that not only does God live in you, but he lives in them too. Why don't you just thank God for that reality? Thank you, Lord.
and the work of the Holy Spirit. As we come together, he lives in us and then he is in our midst together. Amen. Amen. Another theologian called Wayne Grudem says, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. And so for the rest of this talk, I just want to talk a little bit about what it is to cultivate God's presence in our lives as a reality, because that's the biblical truth. All that I've just unpacked for you is is there, and that's the truth. But there are things that we can do to cultivate that tangible presence of God. There are habits and practices that will help us to sense him and feel him more or in a deeper or in a more consistent way. You see, it's really important that we know God, not just in our head, but really deep in our very being, in our gut, in our heart. I heard about some people this week who have a thing called the 18-inch journey. And it's the journey from the head to the heart, 18 inches. And just as it takes action steps to keep any relationship alive and vibrant, so it's the same with the Holy Spirit. You know, I was talking about our marriage earlier. Our marriage wouldn't be much if we didn't constantly keep taking steps towards one another. And it's the same in any friendship. You can't have a friend who you just never speak to. I mean, you know, you might speak to them once a year or once every two years, but really that's not an active closeness if there's no active steps going on. And so like every relationship, there are things that we can do, that we can do, and there are things that we can't do that God can do. And God is gracious and he often meets us in the middle. Often how it works is that we do something only we can do and he does something that only he can do. So when we worship, for example, just as we have done this morning, we come, we lay aside our agendas, we make a decision to sing about God's truth and allow that truth to impact us, and then we choose to give our hearts to him. We choose to sing out. We choose to give our lives again. And when we do that, often he inhabits our praises with his presence, and he allows us to experience that tangible sense of his presence again. So if we want more of God's presence in us, there are some things we can do. And I just want to focus on one verse, which is 1 Corinthians 14. It says, very simple, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. This is Paul's instruction to the Corinthian church. It's a summary of the two previous chapters, which are teaching on the gifts of the Spirit and teaching on the nature of love. By gifts of the Spirit, I mean the gift of tongues and prophecy and words of knowledge and healing and miracles. I'll come to that in a minute, but first, follow the way of love. One thing that you could do, we could all do, we could do it now, we could do it this week, is just to meditate on those, that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. Just have a read of that. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Why don't you take a minute just to read that passage again? And I'm going to do this very quickly, and I'm going to ask for the Spirit to speak anyway, but you could take this home and do this in a more extended way. But just meditate on that passage and just ask the Holy Spirit, is there one 
area that you want to highlight for me today here? Is there an area in which I could grow today or this week? Just take a moment to do that. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. It's not proud. Doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What, which, what is God highlighting to you today? And how do you want to respond and grow in that area? Just give you another 30 seconds or a minute on that. It'd be really good to take some time this week to focus on one particular aspect of love. If the Bible says, follow the way of love, then maybe just ask the Spirit, which part of love do you want me to follow this week? Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's rejoicing in the truth, whatever. I'd love to encourage you to do that. That is following the way of love, and doing that will help to cultivate more of God's presence in our lives. And the other thing I want us to do is a bit more active, which is to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, we're going to take some time over the next couple of weeks, still under this banner of more, to look at some of the spiritual gifts, some of the ways in which God encourages us and challenges us and asks of us that we would step into the supernatural, step into stuff that doesn't always make sense rationally or logically, but actually is the place where God can meet us. See, the gifts of the Spirit push us into a zone where we need to start exercising faith in a God that we can't actually see. It takes us beyond our rational mind. But when we do our part and step out, God often, mostly, usually, can always be trusted to do his part. And we will sense his presence. And one way into this is the gift of tongues. And that's just what I want us to think about for the rest of the morning. The gift of tongues and speaking in tongues is a great way in to the other gifts of the Spirit. Now it's obviously a little bit weird. You're speaking a language that you haven't learned, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. And Paul teaches in this passage in 1 Corinthians, the next verse actually, um, he says, everyone should speak in tongues. He said, anyone who speaks in tongues, in a tongue, doesn't speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. I hear you say, but speaking in tongues, doesn't it just sound like gibberish? Yes. Yes, it does. It's a mystery, and it's not comprehensible to us. But the Bible says that we're strengthened in our prayer life and in our inner connection with God. And Paul clearly teaches the difference between this gift, the gift of tongues, and the gift of prophecy, which we'd love to look at in the next couple of weeks. He says, the gift of tongues is for strengthening you, and the gift of prophecy is for strengthening others. So prophecy is for the church, tongues is for us. It's for us and God. And with all of these gifts, they operate through cooperation. So we do what we can do, and he does what he can do. 
Yeah, example, evangelism. There's a gift of evangelism, but unless we actually speak, God can't step in and do his part and save people. And it's the same with tongues. It doesn't become operative until we actually speak. We literally need to use our vocal cords. Now, speaking in tongues, it's neither rational or irrational. You might say it's transrational. We can start it and stop it at will. And if this is something that you haven't done before, then how it works is like this. We simply ask the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of tongues. And in a minute, I'm going to do that. And you might think, well, what, what, do I, what do I say? And the answer is you just activate your vocal cords. Speak gibberish. In the words of Frank Flidstone, speak the words yabba dabba do. Mike Pilavati, who leads Soul Survivor, he says, start like this. Shalabala bilabala. Doesn't really matter what you say. Start with the name Jesus. But just trust that God's spirit will come in and take over. And as a practice, speaking in tongues, singing in tongues, will increase your heart of adoration and increase your love for Jesus. And therefore, it's a great way of cultivating more of the Spirit's presence in our lives. So I've asked the band to come and help me with this. And if you guys could come back, we're going we're gonna to make this easy for you, okay? We're going to sing. We're not going to speak. And we're going to sing around one chord. And we're going to use the chord of G because it's the happiest chord. Although my son tells me that the holiest chord is actually G-sus. But anyway, that's a dad joke that we'll get to later. If you've not done this before, there'll be plenty of noise. Why don't you stand up where you are, okay? There'll be plenty of noise. And so if this is, if this is something that you have done before, then what I want you to do is I want you to sing out nice and loud, okay? And if this is something that you haven't done before, okay, then I simply want you to try singing out whatever comes out of your mouth. And there'll be so much noise that nobody will be listening to you and you have no need to feel embarrassed or ashamed. And like I said, just, just sing Yabba Dabba Do or start with the name of Jesus and see where you go. You might feel a bit nervous. You might feel a bit nervous, but you're stepping out in the supernatural. So give it a go and see what God does because it takes faith. It takes cooperation with God. It's non Cognitive. Paul says, I can pray with my spirit and pray with my understanding. I can sing with my spirit and sing with my understanding. So push through the awkwardness. So I'm going to pray and you guys do this. I just want to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come now. And that as we sing, for those who eagerly desire the gift of speaking or singing in tongues, that you would bless them with that now. And Lord, as we step out in this, that you would meet us in this place, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go for it. Sing out in tongues.
your presence, Lord. I should have said that, you know, if this isn't your thing or if this is odd or weird to you, please don't worry about that. There's no value judgment. There's nothing like that. I just want people to experience God's presence. I don't know how that was for you. Maybe you've, that's something you've tried for the first time. I just want to kind of take the, take the, take the wishiness out of it. So maybe... You know, turn to the person next to you and tell them, you know, if anything happened or how you feel about that, if anything experienced, if you want to. Okay, we'll try again in just a minute. We'll do that again in just a second. I just want to encourage you, you know, that the Western world doesn't do very well with non-cognitive things. You know, you might think, this is a bit weird. I don't really understand this. That's okay. Because some parts of God are a mystery. And this is just one of those things that the Bible teaches us to push into and just to try out and experience and invite God to come. So we're going to do that again in a second. And again, if this is, you know, wherever you're at, if you, if you just want to meet with God, then I just encourage you, close your eyes, forget about everything else and just give it a try. Give it a try and ask His Spirit to come. And we'd love to pray for you at the end. We're, we're going to go into ministry in a minute, but... Let's just do this once more. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you. And you say in the Bible, eagerly desire the gift of tongues. And, Lord, we want to be connected with you on a heart level. You know, sometimes people who really love each other and who are very close have funny names that they call each other. And they have funny ways of speaking to one another that don't make sense out of that context. You know, they have pet names or silly voices or whatever they do. I'm not going to ask you to demonstrate now. But, but, but that is what happens, isn't it? When we get really close to people, we have just our own ways of speaking. I've lived in houses where I've shared them with guys earlier in my life, and we all had our own developed language that we used in the house, you know? Some of it doesn't really need repeating at this point, but, but that's what happens, and it's the same with us and God. So just go, let's go for it one more time. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here, and we bless you. And just do come, and do give those of us who eagerly desire the gift of tongues, just come and bless them with that gift today. And Lord, as we step out, would you step in? As we take the steps of opening our mouths and singing, would you come and meet us in this place with your wonderful presence? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's go for it, guys.
God. So that's the end of my talk. But if you are somebody for whom that is your prayer today, give me that gift. And we would, uh, if God has done something with that for you, or if you'd like him to, we would love to pray for you. I'd love to invite you just in a second to come. We've got plenty of space down the front. We'll formally close the service, but we would love to pray for you. And I think there are some other things that God wants to do as well. Um, somebody gave me a, a verse, Pete gave me a verse earlier that I think is just good to share now. And it was from Philippians 4. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I think the Lord would just want to say to one or two folks here today that he is worth thinking about. He is worth pursuing. Maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but you still find yourself dwelling on other ideas and other thoughts. And you find it's a struggle to keep going with your faith. The Lord is saying, whatever is right, whatever is true, think about that. Think about me. You know, if, if you were to practice this speaking in tongues, maybe just five minutes every day, it would make a massive difference in the way that we sense and encounter and experience God's closeness for ourselves. There are plenty of other gifts that we'll explore, but this is just one of those things. It's a, it's a fundamental part of the Bible's teaching. We'd love to pray for folks today who really are encountering and want to continue to encounter God. And Nigel reminds us that this is, uh, the Holy Spirit lives within us if we are following Jesus. And if today you've come and you don't know Jesus yet and you'd love to know him, we would love to introduce you. And it might be that you were struck by that story about 21 pilots, that you are working somewhere or connecting with people and you just want the presence of God to be the distinguishing mark for you. Mm. You want people to look at your architect's drawing or the work that you do on a spreadsheet or the way that you teach and go, actually, I know that God is, is with that person. There's something different about them. So if that's you, we would love to pray for you about that too. And the other thing to say is, this is a bit unusual, isn't it? It's got a bit of a weird sticker on, one of our friends would say. And if this morning has weirded you out, would you come and talk to us about it? We'd love just to talk and explore about what we're doing and why we're doing it and about how we grow in connecting with God. So come and have a chat with us afterwards. So look, why don't we do this? If you feel like you want to step into more of what God is saying or doing right now, and you would love to just have some more time to encounter his presence, we would love to pray for you. So if that's you, why don't you come? We've got space. Why don't we get some of our team to come out? If you are somebody who prays for people normally, if you're part of a life group or part of our team, come and, come and, come and help us pray. But if you would like to just ask for the gift of tongues uh, to be increased in you, if you'd like more of God's spirit, if you need help to think on the things of God, if there's something going on for you, why don't you come now? There's plenty of space and there's plenty of time and we would love to pray for you. And there's just a space here to do that. space and time. Happy to wait. Don't come just to make me feel better. Maybe God's already done all that he needs to do. Wonderful. Let's have some folks from our team come and pray. Let's have some folks from life groups and need a fellow, couple of fellas over here. If you, if you would like to experience more of what God is doing in your life and you have just a few minutes now, come and join us. Take a step forward as well, you guys, so there's more space. Plenty of time to do this. Go for it, Julie.
I think this is one of the weird things in Christianity and believing in Jesus. But what really helped me is, and this is years ago now, and that is if you're a parent and you have a child and you have a baby, we go absolutely gaga when they go mama or dada. You don't turn around to them and go, I haven't spoken a sentence, have you? But we go over the moon and we then encourage our children to speak more and more. So if today this is you and you think, I've only got one word, I've only got one noise, I don't know if this is it, I would really encourage you to go home, as Nigel said, and just spend time with God and say, God, increase my language, increase my spoken word, give me the vocabulary that I need to really express what's inside for my love for you. So can I encourage you, if you think, I'm not sure, then go on an adventure with God and go and ask him to increase your vocabulary. That's wonderful. Thank you, Julie. That's brilliant. Let me just pray for us. Now, the Holy Spirit is... God's presence is all over the room and there are people receiving and ministering, some at the front and some... And there is time to just enjoy that and stay in that place. Um, So keep coming forward. Keep coming forward. Great, we'll find someone to pray for you in a sec. Thank you, thank you guys. That's fine, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. Let me just pray, and then if you do have kids, it would be a good thing to go and get them now and thank the team that's worked with them. But Holy Spirit, we just thank you for all that you're doing, and we acknowledge your presence in this place and in our hearts. And we thank you that for some people, here and now, you're encountering them in a new way, in a way that's life-changing. So we thank you for your presence here and we bless you for that. Thank you, Lord. We bless you for your presence.